Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's a podcast where two sad people who are living during a scary time watch movies and for a little bit we think uh, we're the car, where the car that goes so fast can run away from the problems, can take us out of life struggles and into Mexico briefly. I'm Josh. I'm Charles. And we're, we're of course, watching the films of the Fast and the Furious saga. And we are, we've arrived at, of course, uh, you know, obviously, if I was to write down these four movies on a piece of paper, you would be, you'd be able to organize them into an order so easily. But of course, we saw The Fast and the Furious, we saw Too Fast, Too Furious, we saw Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and of course, we have now logically arrived at Fast and Furious, which <laughs> brings back a dead character from the preceding movie and is a sequel to the first movie. Good. We got that out of the way. Makes sense. Yeah. Everything's fine. And it immediately kills off, off screen, a character from the first movie. We'll get, we'll, we get Han back for a precious short window of time just to set up Ugh. the movie we just saw, Tokyo Drift. I, 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 need, I need to be better in my game. I couldn't even get one out. Get one what out? Let's ejaculate. Uh, I don't know. What was the joke? The joke here's the, the joke was that he was, I was so horny for Han that like by the time I even whipped out my dick and started getting it hard, he was already off screen and out of the but, picture. But the phrase you said was get one out, which I don't, I don't think people say that. <laughs> well, I say it. I was just trying to get one out on Han. Get one. No, I didn't want to get it on Han. Just sort of. I didn't. Say, I said you wanted to get one out on like. Well, I mean, like through, yeah, yeah, yeah. via Han. I just Han mean for Han. The... Get one out for Han. Well, I, I agree with you. It's definitely a real uh, boner tease situation where we're like, "Ooh, Han's with the gang. Han's with uh, the crew." So, and of course, we we see the crew pretty quickly leaping back into poorly conceived high speed truck robbery. <laughs> well, a, a lack of harpoon guns this time, though. Do you think the harpoon technology just was like? a little out of date or do you think just the Dominican Republic doesn't have as many harpoon guns kicking around? I think anyone who would have rewatched the footage from Fast and the Furious would be like, <laughs> you know what? The harpoon gun thing makes no sense. It's a bad idea. Uh, can I do a brief segue into Los Bandoleros? I have no idea what that is. So yeah, exactly. Please. That's the short. We're, I'm trying to be more uh, completist than you are in this regard. Oh, right. Charles is doing a little extracurricular stuff, which speaks to his general annoying thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I forced you to watch, the short film that took place between one and two. Where we, we saw Brian go to a hotel with a beautiful woman and escape the cops and his drive down to Miami. She did a lot of driving over like uh, overlay, whatever road that maps, is. Like, yeah. yeah, double exposure, roadmap stuff. Um, this one was much it's, better. It's, it's so that we know he's not just driving, but he's driving to a specific place. <laughs> yes, Miami. This is back in L.A., right? I believe so, though. It feels like between Panama and Mexico and the Dominican Republic, this is the most Spanish-language-heavy film so far, which was great. It was nice to sort of get out of yeah, the... Yeah, well, if you like that, then you should watch uh, Los Bandoleros, which is almost entirely a Spanish-language film. Direct... And what does it add to uh, the Fast and Furious canon that we have encountered so far? Uh, well, A, more Han. Han's in it for a lot. It's good. Um, Vin is actually... His best. I, honestly, I, I know we sort of get into a disagreement about the importance of Dom Toretto and how good Vin is at carrying that. Um, he's his best, I think, when he's fucking drinking a beer and sort of smirking. And this has a well, lot of that. What kind of what kind of beer? Well, in Los Bandoleros, it was actually a nondescript uh, Dominican beer, Dominican Republic. So beer. he's he's not holding to his staunch Corona. No, it's very fandom. strange. It okay, a little alienating, but I got past it, and because he gave me a loving little smirk and made fun of Han and told him he looked like shit, and I was like, all right, that's the guy <laughs> I know. That's the guy I know. And you know he's joking because there's no way Han looked oh anything less than a fucking tenor. It's ridiculous. He looks great. Yeah, Han looks better than ever. But it was uh, I didn't get to finish it. 
so I didn't really get to do my entire homework. But um, so far, it was very like low key, almost cinema verite style, uh, furious movie. So uh, worth checking out, I think. Wow. All right. Well, food for thought. It has a use of the word familia, which uh, I'm going to add to our list. So it does once again create this idea of the family outside of the family. Uh, we're, we, we're, we'll get into that a little later in the episode today, but uh, this this adds to that sense of almost more than anything else. So I wonder if Vin is really the culprit here and really pushing this idea of family. Well, I mean, th- there's a lot of discussion of the idea of family in two and in three. I think the whole emphasis on fucking what's the, the har- Sean, is it? The no, horrible two, Sean? They don't say it once in two. No, they do in two. Remember uh, Paul Walker's boss in the, is that in no, one? No, one. Yeah, well, two is God. completely devoid of family. And <laughs> well, no, but has... like him and Tyrese have like that dynamic. They grew up, they came up together in Bakersfield. We're going to get into this now. Okay. This can't wait. I don't know what this is. For me, these movies are about teamwork. Oh, this, dude, this is such a, I hate this. No, come on, man. This is, the, this is what we're doing. This is like it part of the exploration. <laughs> it's the same. It's about community. Can we split the difference and say it's about community? <sighs> Josh, you're not you're not embracing the fun of this. We're like watching a franchise and seeing how it changes. This like every like the word family is what everyone thinks of when the first word they think of when they after fast and after furious they think of family. Another F word. Well, you know, but I, I want to get this joke out before it's too. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no get the joke out. That's okay. Okay, so we we're talking about the naming convention and the Fs, and it's a good thing they didn't call this Fast and the Furious 4, because I was trying to fast forward my way through Ooh. some long stretches of this movie. <laughs> um, but for me, like, this is this has been very surprising and exciting for me, is realizing that this idea of family really wasn't a part of this franchise at all until much later, and it's interesting to see the way that it's sort of, like, been spiced through and, like, really brought it forward, where, like, they're all about being a team that works well together. And it isn't really until number five where the word family is just thrown around like, I don't agree with that. What do you mean? You don't agree with it. It's not even into, it's nothing. They don't, even the talk about it three. they don't need to like literally spell it out for it to be about family in this movie. Paul Walker's motivation he thinks is to get Braga for his job because he wants to stop his heroin dealer because he's an FBI agent again or something. And at the end of the movie, because he sees that Vin's quest to avenge the, off-screen death of Letty. Well, we see it in flashes, but he sees that that gesture, which is about family, is more important at the end of the day. We see it in Vin's psychic car right. hallucinations, so it which actually is pretty cool. Doesn't even happen. We just see. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think because see... she comes back to life, right? Well, well, sort of, uh, sort of. Uh, again, as someone who watched these out of order a long time ago, it's very funny to be like, "Oh, Letty's dead," because yeah. I saw her in Fate of the Furious, right? <laughs> um, so, but no, so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't entirely agree with you because like Dom and Mia and 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 Brian O'Connor's relationship to them is the whole core. Of, the, the best part of this movie is all of the melancholy working through the trauma of the first movie. And that is feels like a family unit. He's fucking Mia. Dom is completely shattered by the death of his girlfriend, his love, who is as much as family to him as, as Mia or, or, or Brian, as we see by the end of this movie. So I don't know. I think they put a finger on it really heavily in the infamous Mi Familia Corona toast scene in Fast Five, which I'm so excited about. But no, I, I think without putting a finger on it, they're, they're showing that Brian mm-hmm. has truly, he's thrown off the guise of being an undercover cop. This is not about work anymore. He's like, you know, what what Vin was doing was pure. He was trying to get revenge on Phoenix and Braga for a pure reason. And I was just doing this for a job. And when it comes down to it, I'm not going to see my, my friend, my brother go to jail 
for whatever allegiance I may have to the FBI. So I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with you. I think this is this is the opposite. I think this is the movie where it really gestates into oh, there this is a family now. So, so by the end of the movie, when we see another a yet another ill conceived high speed heist, we're like oh, this is. Uh, this movie has, is all about growing pains to me because it's – and I'm going to reiterate some things that we talked about while watching it. But this was the most generic of the films so far to me in that outside of Letty's death, which is a little bit of – a little bit of beep, a little bit of you know, a little hot sauce on the old pizza slice there. Um, it's basically like another drug dealer. They got to infiltrate again. They got to race again. None of the racing is that good. None of the, the the plot is not that interesting. What's interesting is the characters maturing and confronting their past mistakes and their past failures, and what how the impact of their lifestyle on the ones they love. So all all of that stuff hit home for me really well. But I think this is like where do we go from here? And and of course we have the luxury of knowing that they just max it the fuck out in the next movie and bring in the troops. But yeah, I found this. Outside of that emotional stuff, the the melancholy well, of those you've exchanges. Been talking a lot. I just want to before you just keep talking and talking and talking which is harder to interrupt you when i'm not in the same room as you i can um, really railroad you yeah you really can this is zoom. not so i gotta just fucking tell you to shut the fuck up because i hold on that was like that was like a minute shut up you're such a baby wow we really get can this is sucks i can see why we were it's such where our old episodes were so heated yeah this really is not a good way to record a podcast well it's like you know we were raised you know battling our friends on a land network in starcraft and yeah. here we are again you know sitting in different in different rooms just being like you piece of shit shut the fuck up yeah my brother you, and i man. used to play this old mac game called avatar avatar no it wasn't called avatar you basically played as these weird like geometric chickens and shot at each other if anyone knows what that is <laughs> please let me know i'm sure my brother knows because he's a, he's a lunatic every glimpse into your past is one more piece of the puzzle but yeah and I we love used it. to sit he sat at my the folding we used folding chairs as desks did your family do that we like would buy a two thousand dollar computer in 1998 but then put it on a folding chair folding a folding i remember table. when we had our first macintosh we like set it up on the floor somewhere <laughs> yeah because we were like what do you do with this thing we don't know you just kicked it <laughs> uh but i i think i agree with you i think my point is really that about the word family is that yes it's obviously i'm just saying like the word team f- gang family like th- to us we all understand what that means and it really isn't until later that they just as you said pinpoint it and i think that's sort of what i'm calling attention to is like it's this is so much looser in this these first few, and this is like sort of the moment where we're getting to where it's becoming this thing. It's no longer the like the first one has basically no plot. The third one basically has no plot. It's like these were very loose things about cars and racing and people working together. And this like five, six, seven, eight, like the team is the most important part of it. All these side characters, all these things that are happening, and of course they're going to like really push that. That's all, that's all that's all I'm chronicling here. I'm not trying to disagree with you. I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. Just, I'm just okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm cut just, it now because you've been talking too much now. Fuck. I'm gonna level it off again. Fuck, I'm gonna fucking record. I'm gonna. We gotta get one of those chess clocks. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> grab this this episode to see you get some more time. Click. Um. No. No. I hear what you're saying. This movie feels like the eating your vegetables movie, where we know again in Fast Five everyone's at the fucking table. Yeah. It's, it's it, the whole crew really comes together, and this feels like okay. We there's all this unresolved stuff from the first two movies where, you know, in the first movie, 
you know, O'Connor falls in love with and betrays Mia and falls in love with and betrays Dom only to let him go. And then that, that question of why he let him go haunts him in the first and second film. And he talks about in the second movie and we sort of finally sort of see that come full circle. We finally see Mia, you know, rightfully tell him off for, for the conditions under which they met and fell in love. And we sort of like get to that point where we understand from this movie onward, Brian has completely cut off that part of his life. And in this movie, through that formulaic exercise of sort of doing both a direct sequel and kind of a reimagining of the first movie on a deeper emotional level beyond Vin just talking about watching his father die in a horrible car wreck. (laughs) I don't know. I think that that's the thing. This feels very placeholdery or sort of like it feels like a Final Fantasy game where it's like too much cutscenes, you know? Yeah, dude. Uh, This like. This I I totally agree with that I was playing I've been playing a lot more video games since I've been quarantined. And Aren't they all hentai dating games though? Not all of them. I'm saying I'm playing more now. Oh okay. So I have time to play more than just the hentai games. Nice. Those are good. And they're they're fun. They're fun. Have you ever played one of those? The stories are great. It's true. Articles are really great too. <laughs> uh, so sorry that was just like a joke about porno magazines. It's it was but but it suggested that there was articles in the hentai dating game. Right right it was a joke. Do you leave through periodicals as, like, downtime in the game? Yeah, it's, it's a part of the game, you know. Wow. You're like, I was playing this Flash hentai game, but I read this article about really a fascinating. girl with the dragon tattoo, and I think I'm going to watch both those movies again. Not for the podcast. No, just for fun. Okay, fine. You can do that for fun. Thank you. Um, I already forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the cutscene, video games have rarely figured out how to tell a story it's very interesting to have this medium that's you can tell the story right in the game and yet they over and over again choose to go cutscene to tell the main story elements and this does feel like that it feels like everything that could have been so nuanced and quietly told because there's so as you said so many like small sad moments in this movie are just basically brought to our attention and i think it might be a little better than one but it's it's hard to say because it's like one didn't do anything and this just sort of went overboard. Well, also coming off of Tokyo Drift, a movie where we fucking despised the main lead and his romantic interest, <laughs> the visuals of that are so striking. And this feels like a Fast and the Furious movie. And and I think with that, let's talk about let's talk about the first big scene because there was so much to love and yet so little to comment on in a way. You know, they're stealing gas now right. from this and massive. If you watched Los Bandoleros, you'd understand why. But as you didn't, I'm not going to tell it to you. <laughs> Hold on. No, no. Give me the context. Please explain to me why the, the gas heist was afoot. Let me, did they need gas? They, that's it. You figured it out. They needed gas. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is good stuff. Um, it's actually pretty good. The, the two, you know that song that's in this one? I think it might even be called Los Bandoleros. I, I it's didn't. like a song that's featured in Fast and, the, at Fast and Furious. Fuck, these movies are going to be very hard to tell apart. Yeah, it's not a great name. Um. The two people that are the actual artists behind that song are the two guys in the truck in the opening scene, and they play the same characters in the short film. A bit of continuity between the various installments of the ancillary Fast and Furious media productions. That's good to know. Uh, One of them's in jail and has to get broken out of jail, and he's talking about being a gangster and the gangster life and stealing gas because no one has gas. These are the two Spanish-speaking guys who get very little screen time? Yes, yes. They're the ones that okay. sort of like bicker in the truck. Right. Um, so anyways. Yeah, anyway, they need gas. 
They need gas. There's a trucker that's pulling the most gas of all time ever. It's like and the a most six... iguanas of all time. Right. The, so here's the thing about this movie that's so distracting. <laughs> the best part of the movie is this one truck driver, and then the rest of the movie does not live up to the promise of this one truck driver. Uh, uh, Josh, uh, in terms of remakes slash reboots slash sequels to one, I would say that's on point because the best part of the first one is also the truck driver. The trucker uprising subplot was fascinating, and I miss it dearly. Um, yeah, so in this movie, the the new twist, we complained, well, I complained certainly, at the end of one, the sort of ultimate trucker that they're trying to rob. God, one is a dumb movie. The ultimate trucker they're trying <laughs> yeah, to rob, really like, does he even have a face? We see, like, nothing of him. He's just this, like, literally faceless guy, like, blasting a shotgun at people. And in this movie, they're like, no, 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 we really have to invest in this trucker. And this trucker has got to have a thing. And his thing is iguanas. He has a pet iguana. The little icon at the front of his car is a you know, steel iguana. It's awesome. When he leaps out of the truck before it explodes, he grabs his iguana. It's delightful. Yeah, it's great. He's, he's all iguana. Uh, and it's true. It's, it's like without being too, I don't know. It's just like a beautiful way to characterize a side character. And I just like, I, I miss him. I loved him when he was in there. He's had the, the best gunplay in the movie. He was a, he was a real treat. And I'm sorry that I'm never going to get to see him again. And it underscores a problem with the movie, which is that, from the O'Connor's FBI cohort to the new main villain, Braga, played by John Ortiz, who's in a lot of stuff. And I don't know how much I actually like his acting, but his face is very memorable. Mm. Everything that's not the Iguana Trucker feels pretty generic, where we have like more gruff FBI guys. No, another, you know, evil drug dealer and his gang of rude men. And like, it just doesn't have. As much like it's weird to me that the trucker with the iguana is the most texture we get in this movie because everything else is pretty much boilerplate what we've come to expect from this world and I was very let down by that. Now here's the thing: it's in every way better than this is like the franchise curse. It is better than one, I would say, in every way. But because it's the fourth in the series, it's like all it is is it's just the same. It's just a better version of something we've already gotten. So. I think the, the FBI cops are better than the cops in the first one. I think the truckers are better in this one than the last one. I think the story is better told in this one than the last one. But it's it's the same thing. We don't we we don't really need it, other than maybe to move forward into five. Yeah, it's there's there's not a lot of surprises and it's less impressive. And again, I guess at this point, and you know, not to jump around too much. It, I would probably be asking when will this end if I did not know what was to come. Because at this point, it's like okay, it's a little tired. And, you know, I, I, I want to see what's – got to really wow me. And, of course, again, we're watching this with the luxury of knowing that, indeed, we are going to be wowed. And here's a couple things I noticed while watching this movie that blew my mind. One, in the, in the first scene of the movie, they're like, man, we're still doing this? I thought we were we'd be robbing banks by now. And I'm like, interesting. They rob a bank in five. Yeah. And then when they're done, they're, they're done with the race and they're talking about, like, going quiet and going into hiding, Letty's like, I hear Rio's nice this time of year. And I'm like – Five is a bank robbery set in Rio. How much do they know? Like, that kind of confidence, like, retroactively is fucking astonishing. Like, this feels like they knew this was a placeholder movie. Where they're well, like, What do you mean retroactively? Because they made five after four. So this is something that they just carried from four into five. I'm saying watching four and having seen five first, I'm like, oh, they were, like, really dropping these hints in a way that's like... I'm saying it's more impressive now after the fact. Oh, I see. It's like, oh, they were really, they were winking heavily about all this. And I, I admire that. That's really cool. Like, as far as like confidence in a franchise, I think it's cool they were dropping these hints. Well, I, I just don't know if these were hints. I think maybe they were 
bad lines in the screenplay that then when they're writing the fifth one, they're like, hmm, where do we set this new one? I think they plotted this. I'm, it, it vibes me like they plotted this out because like plucking those two details out of this feels like, I don't know if there if if it was if it came down to that that's pretty fucking impressive. All right, yeah. I mean, maybe it's because I just don't really remember. I remember them dragging the thing, and that's about all I remember from five. Five has, I would say, this movie. We talked about it as well while watching. We're now getting into gunfights. We're now getting into there's the action and sort of super soldier spy aspect of this is now coming more into the fore. Though again, in five, it gets you know five. It has the iconic. I feel like we shouldn't talk about five that much, but you know. Yeah, I don't think we should talk. About I'm saying in five, we get into full like. It's not like Dom gets into a scuffle in five. Like and Vin Diesel are like. Like we really yeah, like. I'm just. I'm gonna bleep that out. Don't bleep it out. I can't talk about it. No. Hey, man, if you want to take over editing, you cannot bleep it out. Okay, fine. Do whatever you want. I don't want any more responsibility. (laughs) Um, Okay, so yes, they're once again robbing a fast-moving truck for gas this time. And again, it's so complicated and stupid where people are crawling out of cars and leaping onto things and holding tight formations. And they're shocked that the driver responds. And they're like (laughs) using nitroglycerin to shatter tie. It's... I don't know. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I admire that we, we, we leap right into these fucking idiots or back to their stupid bullshit all over again. But like, it underscores how dumb this shit is. And it made me so happy that we're moving into something that's more believably stupid, like a full on, you know, the full on super spy shit feels like, okay, this tone makes more sense because just a simple robbery of this magnitude and complexity is so exhausting to watch. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Lynn, I don't know if he's a very good, like, director i think he's a a good visual storyteller i I think he really understands well i don't even know the tunnel sequences sucked in this movie so i I really don't know that kim giving his emotional ideas to this franchise are really working when he's trying to do what the first one did but once as you said we move into the dumb bullshit of five six seven that's when lynn can like or even i guess just five and six seven somebody else but like that's when we can lynn can shine because he's really good at dumb bullshit well he's also good at you know there's a couple really big shots in this that rule um and i think the shot of when, when the truck comes around the corner and we see that they're on like a long steep straight away just straight down this mountain that was like a thrilling visual moment and it, that that was the closest to the highs of three which i think has the best visual storytelling of the first three movies no question mm. um So we get these little tastes of that. But you're right. This movie is hamstrung by two sequences in the same setting that are so bad where they're racing cars through like dark CGI tunnels. And it's not very good the first time. And then when the climax takes us back there, I was like, I was really taken aback where it seemed like. You know, again, in three, the cars slowly drifting through a packed intersection in Tokyo, that aerial shot is exhilarating. And the idea of like, what if this was happening in a dark, claustrophobic place where nothing looks terribly convincing and the stakes are negated by the lack of space? Like it just it it, none of that worked for me. And those are two sequences. They they really like doubled down on it. And they they suck. Do you you think because we don't know anything about cars like maybe someone like a car or gearhead we're we're a couple of busters josh we as as dom would would certainly call us a couple of busters yeah he's like you think and phoenix would call us pussies (laughs) and then dom would also call us a pussy (laughs) yeah at least uh he probably he might ram a car into us and then call us pussy we will never know we can i think we can safely assume that yeah (laughs) um but maybe because we are not gearheads we don't like do you think gearheads are like whoa it takes so much skill to drive a car 
that fast in a tunnel. And like, it's just like, that's what's maybe those guys were thinking about when they made this. Scene. But, but, but the, the art of visual storytelling is not being like, this is a hard thing. It's like, isn't this fucking crazy that they're doing this? Josh, put your mind in, in the mind of a gearhead. I know it's hard for you because you're a buster. I'm a buster. We're both busters. Well, I think the gearheads get plenty of, I mean, we got a good gearhead montage in this when fucking oh my God. Brian and Dom are in their respective shops tuning up those friggin' cars for more friggin' crazy street racing. I mean, but everyone liked that. Everyone liked that. I'm just saying, maybe the gearheads are really into things that they think are more real. I don't think, this is not a movie for, for car people. I think we're out. I think you're right. I think the car people maybe were in for the first couple. I, we can't speak for the car community, Charles. Stop fucking, stay in your lane to use a car metaphor. Is, uh, wait, am I allowed to respond to that? Um, I'll allow it. Okay, yeah. I mean, it is a good car metaphor, but I, th- I think as a storytelling device, it sucked. And realizing that it was foreshadowing to the climax, holy shit. Like, we were so happy to be out of that tunnel the first time. We're like, never send us back into that tunnel. And they did. Well, we also we also hate ticking clocks, which this movie has two of. Was it? I think there the were first three. one is we've got seventy two hours, and then the one that the the FBI agent who's uh, Brian's helpful friend was great. She's great in this movie, and she's like, <laughs> "Why is there a ticking clock?" And they're like, "Ah, oh, some bullshit." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, someone for the first time in one of these movies, someone like drew attention to how stupid that plot device is in almost every movie." But then it's gone, and then they mention it again later, and he's just like, "The clock's over." Yeah, it's, I was like, what? it's stupid. I hate that shit. I don't even understand but, where it started and stopped. But then Gal Gadot, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, a.k.a. you know the fucking the most woke fucking girl queen of all time. She she invented um, girl She's queens. like, you have 30 seconds to get through the tunnel. I can't do an Israeli. I can, I can do a good Israeli accent. I can't do hers. She is a very, I don't know. She does sound like a goddess when she talks, to be fair. I mean, you, you lived in Israel for a brief moment, correct? I, I, I've been there five times. I was there once for a four-month stretch, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so but she's uh, like, you have thirty seconds to get through the stupid tunnel, and we're like, this is stupid. This was her uh, first movie, really. Yeah, she's she's good in this. If a little, I don't think, I don't think I totally like. I like that she's like soaked for Dom, which makes sense. I like that Vin's like, I'm too sad to fuck. I thought that was a good moment. Right. Yeah. The charisma of two people that can barely talk. Uh, yeah, they're two not good talkers. <laughs> like, they sound cool. It's a weird dynamic where they both sound cool when they talk and yet don't sound like they're talking to people. <laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah, they have no charisma, no energy. I was actually talking to a friend uh, about Christian Bale. And, like, I think the reason why he's a successful actor is that he has no charisma. And when he really works, it's in movies where he's supposed to be in a, in a place of isolation, alienation. We le- really liked him in Alien 4. Or, or Alien 4. Jesus. No. Terminator 4. And I think it's because like he has that moment with his wife where we don't really get to care about it, but then the rest of the movie is him being isolated. And like yeah, Vince uh, Dom and this and uh what's her name? Giselle? I I think Giselle, I don't know. Um, I'm going to I'll look it up. They both act like Christian Bale does, but the whole element is like we're supposed to believe that one of them is horny. And one of them is sad. And the thing is, just to double back to the Christian Bale point, you know, one of the best moments and one of the best moments in franchise history is in The Dark Knight Rises when Batman, in a very cool sequence, is in a Uzbekistani jail for an hour and a half. And we're like, this is what people want from Batman is to be in a hole. It was a ticking clock, too, right? Oh, <laughs> like a, a year long. We really have clock. to do that franchise just so I can have a full meltdown over that movie. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> compiles all of the worst tropes of every franchise into one 
genuinely bloated monstrosity. But yeah, it's there's such a strange. I like that they're like we're gonna bring in Gal Gadot. Like everyone they keep adding to this is just more fucking over the top in every way. Like I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. The this is the movie. This is the moment where the energy is right. Not even the energy. The, it's like foreplay to something bad foreplay to something that I know will eventually get good. Just, like not even because I've seen them, but like I can get this sense that. This is the reset button. We're like, all right, we're going to remake one, basically. But I like, I really like uh, Paul Walker in this. I re- actually really like this. Is my favorite performance from Vin. I think this is just like setting up what I know I'm going to love. Yeah, but again, it feels like the eating your vegetables part of the franchise. So yes, I'm happy. How do you get that? I, I'm a vegan. All I eat are vegetables. Dear what God. do you mean by that? You know, earlier you said energy, and I'm happy you said that because in this movie, we see a great fourth wall shattering thing, which is so delightful. But in 2005... I think entirely based on the success of these movies, NOS, the uh, delightful energy that we see pumping through their cars to make them roar, roar, roar and go vroom, 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 is now a delicious energy beverage. Can I be honest with you, Josh? Yeah. That's my favorite energy drink. Really? Yeah. Grape NOS is my favorite energy drink. It's really the only one that I will drink. Unfortunately, it's very hard to find. Now, on the Wikipedia page for this, they don't directly attribute its creation to the Fast and the Furious movies, but there's, like, no universe where it's not, right? No, I, I'd, I'd never heard of it. I mean, yeah, it, there's no way it would have been created through any other means. Yeah, it's got to be. But anyways, in this movie, we finally see an ad for the drink, and then later, the drink itself plays a somewhat essential plot point device, which is delightful. So what what was that like for you? Because I I know it can be jarring to see like, oh, like Nas, something that no one knew existed until the Fast and the Furious movies, has now become a product that is being drunk by characters in the films that would not have existed were it not for these films. I find that that was way more interesting than anything else in this movie to me. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. I mean, as I've said, it's my favorite energy drink. So even just seeing it on screen is lovely. But I think it's... I think it puts it into its own little world. <laughs> Even though NOS exists in real life, I think it sort of is something different in their universe. I sort of see this as like a separate universe where <laughs> NOS is like the bridge. Well, no, we've, we've talked about this, I think, in the past, but I'm a huge fan of movies where, you know, and this is, of course, maybe the ultimate version of this, where one activity is the single coolest thing of all time. Where once again, in this movie, we're dragged back to the same stupid, shitty midriff party around cars that sucks. Everyone's like, yeah, it's cool to stand around cars. Attractive women just like hanging out in the vicinity of fucking nerds who like cars. Like this dumb bullshit. Like again, the, the the, the, the now you see me universe where magicians are the coolest sexiest things in the world <laughs> yeah and we're in this cosmos where like being a car driver makes you like an immortal justice warrior or the worst most brutal violent murderer of all time there's very little in the middle yeah and uh, and nos i think really cements like everyone's using it everyone just knows it's like if mad max everything else was the same but nos was just like what everyone had in their cars for some yeah. reason, in this universe, everyone has NOS in their cars. Did you like when uh, they, they they so they, they have to race to impress the drug guy, and they have the annoying GPS thing talking to them the whole time? And at one point, the GPS person goes, there was one quarter mile remaining. And you're, they're uh-huh. just setting it up, because we fucking know uh-huh. that fucking Dom Toretto lives his goddamn life one fucking quarter mile at a time. I loved that. When you're sipping on a cold Nas, do you feel like you're like living life one quarter mile at a time? <laughs> no, my heart starts racing. I start sweating from my brow. Uh, I can't really think straight. Um, but I c- you're too small to drink energy drinks. I that that concerns me. Yeah, I started drinking them 
once when I was playing video games late with friends and we used to stay up like all night playing video games and and then one day my friend he came over it's weird I haven't talked to this guy we're gonna have to take a little break from Fast and Furious to talk about this friend of mine I need your opinion okay hey we gotta get into this this seems important but anyway to finish the NOS story um, he came over we were gonna play video games all night I forget what happened but he's like you know what I just want to go to bed and I was like what the fuck I already drank this NOS (laughs) so I went to bed and I was just like literally lying in bed for five hours my heart was racing I couldn't fall asleep so are you asking is that rude yeah that's that's no no so here's what here's what happened with my friend um we were very close friends. We were close friends in high school. We used to live in the same neighborhood, and he would drive me to school every day because I didn't have a car. As I said, I'm a buster. Total buster move. You got to have like eight cars in the fucking garage, my guy. <laughs> I didn't own a single car until I was like 25. That's humiliating. Yeah. Um, real buster. I mean, I'm the first to admit it. I'm a buster. You're a buster. And I, I have been in a series of car accidents, so I guess that makes me closer slightly to Vin and the gang. Like literally a buster. Yeah. Well, I'm saying they're always getting into car scrapes, and so am I. So, you know. <laughs> well, if you're a gearhead, then who knows? It's hard to say, but... Well, I'm a regular gearhead. I know that I have to change my oil once in a while. That's true. How Do you know how to? Uh, you drain something? Buster. Oh, I've been busted. Yeah. Do you think we should start a show just called Busters? Rather than like myth, but you can see that myth's been erased out and it's just busters. Just just people who are not terribly good at a given thing? Yeah. That sounds good. That's a good TV. <laughs> Let's go talk to National Geographic. And watch busters. They're not good at much. <laughs> um, so anyway, my friend, we were really close. Like he was my best, I would say my best friend. Uh, we loved anime. He got he introduced me to Cowboy Bebop, which remains one of my favorite shows. Um, hey, maybe he listens to this show. I don't know. I'm friends with his wife on Facebook. I don't think I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, anyway, I went to his bachelor party. That's how close I was. I was invited to his wedding. And because I'm an like asshole and I was, my whole life was not going very well. And I was trying to figure out my, this is when I was homeless. I was living with a now known to be sex offender, violent, crazy person, tattoo artist. And, and prominent flat earther. Prominent. I would say maybe the most prominent flat earther <laughs> in the U S the combination of the tattoos and the sexual menace and the flat earth thing does make him, I think, pretty remarkable. Well, he's, he's been in so much running into the fact that you had me meet that man is so surreal to me. <laughs> the guy that I now see on like great shows like All Gas, No Breaks or Vice News and shit like I'm like, I, I hung out with that guy. And it, just as a side note, um, when I, we were in his tattoo parlor, I saw like a flat earther sign. And I was going to make a crack about it. No, no. And then I didn't. You made that. <laughs> and then later it turned out that I had dodged quite a bullet because if i had opened that door i would have been uh possibly fucking uh strangulated by that psycho uh probably just blown away he had many guns in that place i probably should have told you about that too full 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 whistler style huh yeah just shotguns and tubes like hiding. like rapist conspiracy theory whistler but yeah, anyway i was i was having i was like this is right before i went back to school i was trying to figure out my life i was homeless jobless living with a terrible person well, not living but li- like sleeping at the shop of a terrible man and I just didn't go to his wedding. I didn't say I wasn't going to go. Um, and then he just stopped responding to me. And that was the end of our friendship. That's a bad story. You know, I once had a friend. Um, we met in, in, we, we met in kind of a strange circumstance. But um, I was living in the countryside near a city. And this the, 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 the guy who ran the city passed this law that... that it's you know basically anyone magical had to leave the city and live in the swamp that I lived in, 
And so one of the people who came to the swamp was a donkey, a talking donkey. And I was at first really not into it. He seemed just grating, but I needed some help to go. Basically, I thought I would get the swamp back if I helped the guy at the, ha- at the castle get his girlfriend. Who turns out she wasn't his girlfriend, which is a whole other thing. We had to go to a castle, a different castle. There was a dragon there. Uh, and over the course of this journey, I did come to know the donkey and uh, we we had a lot of – it turned out we had more in common than we didn't. Uh, and we've, we went on to have other scrapes and misadventures. But, you know, now uh, I look back on that and, you know, like sometimes things divide us, you know. He liked waffle and parfait. I liked onions, you know. And, and now – and now we're close, but I, I do understand that there are times in any relationship when these things so, are tested, So what do you think? You know? I, I mean, that's a very interesting story. It sounds... Yeah. It has, like, some similarities he, to... He fucked a dragon. The donkey fucked a dragon. So you're saying what sh- I should fuck a dragon or Seth? Like, what should I... How should I... What is the dragon a metaphor for mm, in your story? There we go. I'll figure that you know, out. In a way... We've all got a row of tanker trucks full of gasoline or trying to steal using nitroglycerin and high-speed racing. In a way, we all have a dragon in a castle we want to fuck and make dragon babies that are fucking hybrid creatures that are fucking monstrosities that we're going to raise as our own, you know? Yeah, we're never going to tell them that they're monstrosities either. No, you just sort of roll with it, babe. That's, That's life, you know? Life has its slings and arrows. Sometimes the FBI is our friends. Sometimes the FBI is bad guys. Yeah. You know? Sometimes uh they 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 say that to Brian in this very movie. Right. Sometimes you're was you're a good you're, you're a good guy pretending to be a bad guy. Maybe you're a bad guy pretending to be a good guy. Hmm? Ever thought about that, Brian? Sometimes the high-speed chases that we chase are the chases for ourselves. Huh, can you uh unpack that for me? No, I'd rather not. So this movie does have a great foot chase in it. And if mm. longtime listeners know, to borrow a, a loving term from Letty, who says it a lot in this movie, Papa <laughs> loves a good foot chase. Uh, she's in this movie for, what, six minutes and she says Papa eight times? 35 times. Yeah. She calls Dom Papa and you're like, okay, that scans. That she's sense. being sort of saucy with her partner. Yeah. And then someone else talks to her and she goes, she also drops a Papa on Han, I think. And yeah. look, Han is Papa. I'm not fucking arguing that. <laughs> Dude, maybe she's right. <laughs> right about what han is her father <laughs> no just that everyone's papa dude we got han we got vin we got all got all these papas driving with her yeah i mean i'd be calling them all papa too that's true i think they'd ask you to stop yeah that's true but letty i don't think they would like that they'd like it from letty sure well it seems like she has a good rapport with the whole team and it's so sad she dies but i want to talk about the good <laughs> foot chase in this movie yeah again i think this movie had a lot of teases that i was really excited about and then kind of failed to deliver on most of them but we get a great paul walker foot chase and i love that we're seeing paul walker as an fbi agent in a suit which i think is the most the fanciest we've seen this guy over you know the the three movies he's been in at this point and i loved seeing paul walker in a suit it's like when chris hemsworth did the the men in black movie that nobody saw mm-hmm. yeah I, I saw it how was it not good. Yeah, it doesn't. It barely exists. People for it, yeah, it, it has been forgotten by society, which is too bad because it had a good cast and it just was a very. It's like one of those rare. We've talked before about a bad movie that becomes good because of the cast. This was like a strange scenario where there's a great cast that just didn't work at all. Can we talk Tessa for a minute? Tessa, I like me a Tessa Thompson. 
and I'm worried that she's going to have trouble breaking out from the Marvel universe. She's in the she's the Men in Black person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Atessa. She's amazing. She's great. I love Atessa. Let's get her. Like I don't know the, the Fast and the Furious. It's like her vibe. She would be great in the Fast and the Furious verse. She would be great because she's she's spunky and dynamic and and she could bring that sort of that swagger that she's so good at. She's funny, right? But she sells heart. We should do a Chris Hemsworth miniseries where we just watch all the non-Thor Chris Hemsworth movies. Because he did the Herman Melville movie. And, of course, listeners know I'm I'm from Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is where Herman Melville lived for a fair amount of time. And there's a a historical residence called Arrowhead where he wrote Moby Dick. And it's kind of crazy that they cast a classic Hollywood hunk to play a Pittsfielder who's famous for loving whales so much. That is true. Have you you been to that? arrowhead oh fuck yeah a million times it's a rite of passage babe i'll take you once the nightmare quarantine is over and and the fear of death stops gripping all of us in our sleep at night you can come out to visit and i'll take you to herman melville's house and i'll say this is the guy who would later be played by chris hemsworth his house that's what he's most known for well at this point to these tweens yeah these tweens on tiktok I started. God, read, they haven't read Moby Dick. I I, haven't, I I realized I hadn't read a book since i've been quarantined basically and i haven't really read any books this year so i was like yeah maybe i should start reading a book now that I just have nothing to do. It's hard. Yeah. No, it's, but it's so difficult. Like, because a, a, a good reading sesh, you really got to be like hooked in and locked in. And I've been so panicked and exhausted or caffeinated and or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or stoned on drugs that it's been kind of hard to read. No, I, t- I totally agree with you. I think reading is hard. I don't think that means that it's better or it's a more fulfilling experience once you get into it. But I can totally see why like people, everyone's like, Books are better, man. What, what are you doing? Rotting your brain on the TV? It's like, I don't know. Fuck reading. I'm done with reading, man. It was my life for a long time, and I'm just done with it. Well, part of like the thing about a crisis um, is that we melt. We see old cultural forms die away in the face of the the new the now like the 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 need of the now and i do like that you know maybe this maybe that the, the biggest person to get taken down big book by by freaking covid 19 is big book big book and no i don't mean mr jeff bezos <laughs> <laughs> why why not because <laughs> uh, he started as basically a book guy yeah that's true i remember amazon.com was a book store i used to work at bookstores speaking of which i'm trying to find is there a novel adaptation of fast and the furious and uh <laughs> you say that is the one thing i'll read i'll read that there's a coloring book <laughs> there's a there's a six dollar coloring book okay there's oh my god there's a book called fast and furious fast meals for the thrill in you what is that <laughs> um it looks like it's a cookbook <laughs> <I'm> looking, <laughs> susan gray wrote it Okay, Fast and Furious is an amazing franchise that has kept us glued to our screens for over a decade with spinoffs, and one of the glues that's kept the series together is family. That's one sentence, and that rule. <laughs> uh, and again, family. Uh, not really brought up that much until fa- five. So that is why we've put together all 30 amazing, all 30, there's, there's no limit on this, Susan, I don't know what the fuck you mean all 30, all 30 amazing meal recipes that you can make with your family and friends. So rev up your coking engine, direct quote, because this book will have you going places with the right meal uh is the first one tuna sandwich with crusts cut off um it's uh cum chowder cum chowder is the first jesus holy shit holy shit i need to read this to you i'm so sorry please <laughs> forgive me uh, you can you can look at you can read the book on amazon there are not many experience this is underneath a photo of a crab cake <laughs> 
<laughs> there are not many experiences that electrifies a person like driving fast cars on super smooth roads. Fuck yeah, Susan. I entirely agree. The speed. Can we get her smell- on, this, on, this, on, this, on this show as a we, guest? You know what? As executive producer, I'm going to take it on as a personal mission. Thank you. To get Susan on the show. You're welcome. The speed, the smell of burning asphalt, the nitro boost propelling the car forward at uncommon speeds. Wow. The sharp turns, the chase, the close calls, and the tension all inciting the body to produce adrenaline. Very literal. The adrenaline in turn racing through the veins. To, that's a mirrored bit of uh, figurative writing there. Yeah. To the heart and the heart in turn pumping excitement to every part of your body. Well, it's blood, Susan. But <laughs> anyways, uh, this book seems great. Turbo Meatloaf turbo meatloaf well if anyone would like to get that for josh for his birthday it's coming up nitro chicken carbonara this is amazing (laughs) crusty Uh, cheese on burning asphalt we'll be putting a link to this in uh on our facebook page okay there's only there's only one last title recipe title that this you know i think it's you're going to be happy i read this okay pork hobs and chops oh my god i love it Uh, oh, this is the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> wow. What a little pandemic will do for the brain. Make you I know. appreciate the small things. I think someone... No, no one wrote a review for that book, which feels like a huge loss. Wow. We should do that. I know. I'm vegan, though, so it uh, sounds like I can't really eat most of that. You can probably do a vegan version of Pork Hobbs and Chops. <laughs> That's true. That's brilliant. That's better writing than most of the actual movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie... Um, it's such a it's a strange movie to get back into it but like i was really into it for the first 20 minutes because like oh this is just like better than the one that we saw before but then as it goes on you're just like oh this is basically just like the one i saw before and it is it's a real letdown and the screenwriting isn't that good what does he say by car Oh, sorry, car. At, at one point, we had Paul Walker before hurtling his car down a ravine. Goes, sorry, car, which was like the, <laughs> the the height of the movie. Again, it's just sort of like everyone's so generic. Where you know, Campos, aka as we find out later, Braga, he's just like another bad guy. And then Phoenix is his big heavy. It's just like another bad guy. There's very little that distinguishes this. And the fun of three, I mean, the, the Sonny Chiba reveal and, and Han. and the, you know, Again, even despite a problem this movie does not have of a gaping hole in your lead, it just felt like more fun. And this sort of, again, like all the emotional work they had to get through to get through this chapter made it feel like, you know, filler. So I'm happy we got this out of the way. But oh, boy. This honestly might be a little worse than one, if only because it's just like less exciting or less di- new. It's different. Yeah. I think this is this is why rating movies is very hard. We have to figure out uh, fucking we're on the edge. We're, we're No one's doing this, Josh. We're doing work that no one else wants to do. Yeah. Talking about movies in a podcast form. It's yeah. truly it's it feels like where are we? The bleeding edge? Yeah. What the What's fuck? beyond the bleeding edge? Uh, so we have to come up with new terms, new ideas, new concepts, new ways to contextualize art. Yeah. Are we up for We've it? We've said Buster a lot. <laughs> Not sure. Um, I, I'm just going to, I mean, I have to disagree with you. One, I think is not a good movie. I think it's, I think we have already said this, but like this, whatever one tried to do, this did better. So I, I really will, I can never agree that one is better than this one, but I sort of like this, the essence of what one was trying to do. I think is better in some ways. I see what you're saying. Like it was fresh. It was new. It's like, Oh, who are these people? Or meaning these people um, here? It's like, I don't know. It's sort of like 
first one's a, a like a first date that didn't go very well, and this is like <laughs> you know being married for forty years. Oh my! Don't get me started. My biggest nightmare is a long, committed, meaningful relationship. Yeah, it sounds like awful. I come home and I know that I have like support and, and validation. And, uh, dear God, I know. Like right now, I'm unemployed. Yeah, not making any money. You're uh, what I, I describe as a drain on the economy. Yeah, what I wouldn't give to just go home to a shitty apartment with people I don't know and like worry about having to pay the rent. That sounds so exhilarating. Yeah, that's real, babe. That's that's life on yeah. the fucking. You know, oh god! But being in a place where I can share an income and a space with someone I love, and you know, just oh god, it's terrible. Boing! You know who's you know who's living a life that I want to lead? Mm. A good friend of mine named Dwight. Oh, good call. Let's welcome to Dwight Corner, everybody. The rest of the podcast will be me talking about the best character in this movie. Sorry, Iguana Truck Driver. I loved you, but there's a man who I loved slightly more, and that is the foot fetishist who keeps calling Paul Walker a nutsack and does nothing in the movie other than be used briefly as a plot device while sucking on toes. So here's the thing is like, how, like what happened? How did he get in this movie? Because I agree, he's the sp- he's like a, a little bit of spice that this movie doesn't deserve. Well, I think it's just that this whole franchise. It's like you know they're so dead set on this point. Obviously, in this movie, on building up this like this is another departure point for this. We're going to leap to another stratosphere. So we're going to get through all this emotional stuff. In the margins, they have that room to be fun again. And we get that in the form of Dwight. Again, I love it. First, Dwight's just like another racer guy who's just kind of a dick. And then they're like, he parties with hot babes and sucks their toes and films himself doing it. Yeah. He's cool. He cool. What an interesting guy. He's great. Uh, then Paul Walker in full narc mode plants a bag of meth on him or whatever, which is stupid. And then at that point, Dwight's like, Dwight doesn't do that. Dwight never touched that stuff. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good. God, Dwight rules. And I th- So I think that's uh, what I can hope, even though I know it's going to happen, is that that energy of a Dwight, of a truck driver, gets actually put into, pumped, much in the same way that Susan was talking about, the the way that, you know, driving fast makes your brain hurt. I... What makes your... No, it makes your... It, it's kind of... It's a lot of science talk. You want to read it again? Too much. Well, I, I'm not trying to, like... I don't want to be pedantic. The last thing I want this movie review show to be is pedantic. Wouldn't dream I of it. I be really clear about that. Yeah. No, I think we do a good job keeping it pretty uh, pretty focused on stuff. But no, um, yes, in, in her words, in, you know, I, I don't want to... I, I want to just give her credit here. Wait, what was her name again? What was her name? Susan Gray. Author of Fast and Furious, Fast Meals for the Thrill, dot, dot, dot. I, it's closed off right now. Um... The speed, the smell of burning asphalt, the nitro boost propelling the car forward on uncommon speeds. That could be the title of the book about us, Uncommon Speeds. Sure. I know. I was actually saying uncommon is a great word choice, Susan. Mwah. Yeah. Un- they are uncommon. It's hard to argue. It's yeah. literally speaking 100% accurate. The sharp turns, the chase, the close calls, and the tension all inciting the body to produce adrenaline. The adrenaline in turn racing through the veins to the heart and the heart in turn pumping excitement to every part of your body. Okay. So in that's what Susan lovingly, because I could feel the love there. Mm. and just like passionately described to you. I'm hoping that the Dwight, the Iguana Man, these elements, I hope, get pumped in to the franchise itself. Not as cursory people that I will miss when they're gone after only being on screen for two minutes. I want perhaps a rock to show up. Oh, God. Perhaps a Jason Statham. I'm so excited. I, I mean, again, 
So we're getting to that point in the episode where, like, you know, I alluded to this earlier. We know what's coming next, and I'm so excited for this next movie. So, of course, I'm not saying when will it end. But in a vacuum, I like to think, objectively speaking, if I wasn't watching this from that perspective, I'd be like, okay, the end course correction of, like, all right, Brian's finally done being a cop. We're going to finally dispense with that entire device. And now he's, like, all in. He's not just letting Dom go. He's freeing Dom himself. Yeah. It's a nice gesture towards shaking things up. Because, again, the whole Letty dying so abruptly still feels really weird, even if they reverse it later. Like, this, this movie has a lot of problems. And I think that if I if I hadn't watched it with love in my heart for what we know comes next for the latter half of the series, I would be saying when will it end? Because it, it, this... This did not show me anything new. It just doubled down on plot devices, plot holes from the first movie that were not really fully addressed. And the the chases, here's what we haven't really fucking said. The chases aren't that good in this. And that's like a huge demerit. Yeah, I mean, I think they're better. So I I like this movie more than you did, I think. We weren't sitting together, so I I feel like we're going to maybe have a little bit more of our own takes on this. But I... I liked it. I I like this movie a little bit. I agree with you that there's it doesn't come together in a lot of ways, but I thought the the races and chases were good. They're better than one, and I think they're better than two. Um, three, of course, is the highlight so far in terms of races and chases. Mm-hmm. But no, I think I think they were great. This fucking the racing where yeah, there's a little banter between Carr and 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 Brian, but overall, it's like he takes a different route. There's a great scene where one of the drivers crashes he tries to avoid it but it still falls off the bridge and almost collides into him he drifts past it i think it still has that magic but you're talking about that that one chase where they're like we're gonna chase through la and this time no one's closing the streets you're just in traffic motherfucker there's a cool idea but i was like it's the usual thing with one thing different right and like it just feels it feels like they're 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 not moving the ball by yardage but by inches at this point and that's okay to me this is so this is obviously a direct sequel to one i know it's a sequel and some way it's a prequel to three it's a uh, and it's as though two i don't even really know it's is it it's after two yeah but it's as though two didn't exist so basically this is a direct sequel to one and i think looking at it as a direct sequel to one this takes everything that one had makes it better and i'm gonna disagree with you i think to me this is sort of what you were arguing in the first one to me coming from one two three now we're at four i see this as Brian is making the full choice to become a criminal. I see this as Dom's mad and sad and lonely. I see this as Mia and Brian. Like all those connections that were not really formulated in the first one are so present here. And I really feel this is this is a step forward. This is like a very small step forward for this one, but I can feel the energy. I'm ready. I think I'm I'm not asking when will it end. I hear you. And not just because I know, because I actually I'm not even sure I really like Five. We're going to find out. I pray it stands the test of time, because I've, I've seen that movie a few times, and I really love watching it. Um, but look, I, I hear what you're saying. I guess what we're saying is this is the acceleration moment. Right. And I get that. So this is the downshift. We're still Ooh. going 40 miles an hour. I love all the car This is the downshift talking. moment. Dude, you can't call me a fucking buster no more. Vroom, 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 vroom. Um, emergency brake. Shifting windshield wiper um so yeah no this is for me this is really when it's i'm getting buckled up I'm, i can feel it getting ready to to boost into to, to, to lower gear to go faster let me just read something you know we're getting towards the end of the episode i want to just read something that i think is going to sum up the experience that we're all talking well, wait, about. wait don't forget we have to award mvps but anyway yes continue whether you are driving the car or you are watching the race live or watching a movie about racing the thrill is always there ain't that how we all feel when we are watching a fast and furious movie 
We love to watch Dominic Toretto, Letty, Roman, Brian, and the rest of the crew do the impossible with the fastest cars, jumping from one skyscraper to another, skydiving with cars, racing on ice, and simultaneously saving the world from some of the deadliest crimes. But did you ever imagine that making fast meals could give you a similar thrill? (laughs) That you could do the impossible with your meals? That as you swallow your food and it moves through your gut, it tickles your tongue, your food pipe, your food pipe, and your stomach, like the type of a fast, like the types of a fast car tickles the surface of the road. (laughs) Fuck, this is so good. That with each taste, you feel the adrenaline running through your veins with joy, and you hear your heart beating festival drums. (laughs) Susan, Oscar. Well, Charles, if if you've ever imagined this, but do not have the recipes to bring your imagination to life, we bring this article to fulfill that imagination for you. And if you have never imagined this, not to worry, you do not have to anymore. We are bringing you 30 fast meal recipes that could save you from the deadly crime that is hunger and thrill you immensely as well. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) This is the best thing I've ever read. Wow, this is great. This is better than this is better than Fast and Furious. There's Mia Picotta, the Cheesy Han, the Muscles in Miami. Fuck, I want that Cheesy Han. At the Shaw of Cheesy Nachos. Wow, Shrimp O'Connor. This is amazing. Okay, so let's turn to MVPs. I think I tipped my hand earlier. I must give Dwight the MVP award. He's fucking <laughs> sucking on toes in this movie. He's like a full freak. Dwight's like, I fucking party. I don't give a fuck who knows it. Yeah, I mean, he's a great choice. I really admire that choice. I think it's the right choice. Um... For me, I always have a hard time choosing an MVP that, like, does so little. Like, I sort of want to choose the the Iguana Man. I sort of want to choose Dwight. But for me, I think I'm going to have to go... I don't know. I, th- I think FBI cop, like, leader of the FBI. I really liked him. I thought he was really good. He had a little more to do. And, the, like, the whole cop dynamic with the the one cop that hates Paul Walker for some reason, and they get the to fight. The guy from Boardwalk Empire, who I like yeah. a lot. He was also in uh, Joker. Joker man. He was the Joker man's cop friend that killed his mama. Comedy is subjective. Huh? Is that a line from Joker man? Murray. <laughs> well, you're making me laugh, buddy. So you're. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to give it to that guy. He had a great face. He was like made out of, I don't know, someone that like ripped off plaster from his face. It was really good. He's yeah. He had the right idea of how to be. A cop. And I I I award him the unnamed. I don't know who he was. The the guy that played the uh, the FBI boss. Wow. Well, there we have it, and that's our exhaustive coverage of friggin'. Are we ranking them every episode now during these? Yeah, awful let's do times? it. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's complicated for me because you make a good point. I I just find like if this beats one, it beats one by a little bit. And for me, right now, as far as story and performance, two is the best one so far. Josh, I got to interrupt. This is the hardest series to rank so far. It's really hard. These four, they're all so different. Yeah. And elements from each of them, with probably the exception of two, are like really bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very hard for me to... Two is the clear best so far. Well, I guess for me, it's like two as far as like Roman and Brian as a unit yeah. doing shit was so incredibly enjoyable and fun to watch that I just loved it. And in this movie, Domin- see, Brian's relationship to the Toretto's is so tortured that we don't really get that kind of camaraderie yet. Like, you know, they're, they're sort of as much against each other as they are not in this movie until the end. Yeah, that was actually one thing that, that didn't work was... Like in the very in the first half, Dom hates Brian for mm-hmm. rightfully lying to him and and lying to his sister and almost getting him thrown into jail. 
And then without real any explanation, they just decide to be friends. Unless I miss something. Yeah, it's confusing. So yeah, I, um, I, I agree with you. This has got sad energy. It doesn't have friend Like the two, two had such great energy between the two male leads that, uh, yeah, there's it, like that carries you through the whole thing. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe ranking them as like a fool's errand because visually speaking, three was the best. Full package two was the best, and then one and four because they're so tied together, it's kind of hard to. It's it's complicated. So I don't know. Maybe ranking them is stupid. It, it feels like maybe we're all just being a real phoenix right now. Yeah. Fuck. Well, aka a fucking cool guy. <laughs> <sighs> well, I'm gonna go buy me that book yeah we're going we're going to prepare an exhaustive uh, bit of research on the fast and the furious recipe book and get back to you and remember everybody stay inside and don't touch anything because you might die right into it ready all right should I do a ball yep i'm all set pre-roll got some pre-roll going pre-roll got that pre all right ready we don't have yeah we didn't get any pre-roll last time now we're getting some pre-roll oh you're freezing up bud yeah you're freezing up too a little bit i blame you though yeah i mean i do live with four other people yeah i mean i live with three other people we keep in score motherfucker <laughs> yeah well i still win for doing that all right I'm going to scroll back in my text to the beginning of our text exchange. I'll say shorter than last time, which feels condemning. Yeah, you were you were sort of out for a little bit, seemed like. Well, just well, there wasn't that much to comment on for some yeah. broad stretches. Okay, hold on for one sec. Um, okay, like a freaking video game. Okay, taste it so fast. All right. Um, okay, ready to go when you are. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okie doke. So... Here, if you want to go through the text... Uh, well, not, 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 I can, it doesn't be that. that no, I'm just saying, this, if you want to have the text up, I'll bring up like the Wikipedia page and stuff. Oh, I've got that too. <sighs> Fuck, man. You're good at this. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah, let's do it.